They miss it. It's, it they, they miss it. God speaks and they think it thunders. They're just not in tune. But there's other people, they say, well, I would worship if God would just do something. You know, if he'd just show out and do something. They already missed the voice of God. They thought it thundered. But they, but they really, if I saw something. But then there's a group of people called people of faith that'll just make miracles happen. They'll bring, a, they'll bring an encounter with God. They'll push in and lean in until it happens. And that's what we're doing. And as we're worshiping this morning, I just began to see a, a line of people that were battling fears. You know, I don't know, maybe the sickness in you has brought fear upon you. Maybe it's something about the future. It's just rough and rocky. The way you're going, it just looks rough out there. It just doesn't look real smooth sailing, you know. It looks like there's going to be dangers or troubles. And you got some apprehension about that future. Maybe it's about something a doctor said. I don't know what it may be, but just a fear is trying to grip your heart. I want you to come if that's you because we're going to stop that fear today. All we're going to do is get rid of that spirit of fear. And that spirit of fear will leave you be one of the easiest spirits that ever left you. If that's you, I want you to come up. If you're just battling something, fear about the future, fear about some sickness, fear about some problem, fear about a relationship. I don't know what it may be, but fear is just dominating. And then the other thing the Lord said, for people that's got COPD, you've been diagnosed with that, or lung problems, lung issues, it could be something else, maybe a doctor said, I don't know, but it's bothering you. And the Lord's opening up lungs today. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all come and line up. Just line up right here. But I want you to face this wall. Y'all face that. Just get like your line waiting on the water fountain. It's cool. Now I want everybody that's a believer and you know you're healed to come up here and get on both sides of these people, one on each side. We're going to form a tunnel. And we're going to just get our hands on them. You can stand. You can, Gary, y'all can, Gary, y'all can stand right out through here. Just like this. We're going, to, we're going to let them come between us like this. And we're going to pray. If you're a believer and you're well and you don't have, you're not battling any fear today, or you're not battling any sickness in your lungs, anything. Now, this is especially about lungs. It's not other things. Let the Lord do what he wants to do, and then we'll, we'll watch him do other things if we'll just get obedience. But if this, this is about fear, stopping that spirit of fear about the future, how do we go from here? How do we move from here? How does that relation? Now that relationship's over, how does the next thing pan out? Whatever it may be, sometimes it's apprehension about starting something new in your life. Sometimes it's fear about tomorrow. And then if you've got lung conditions, get in this line. And as you get in this line, we're going to pray for you as you go down through here. Praise God. Praise Hallelujah. God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Praise Jesus. God. Hallelujah. Well, I know a lot of times slip by real quick, but this has all been good. And it has a lot to do with what we're talking about. Everything that we got to pray about up here this morning has a whole lot to do with what I want to share with you some things this morning. So stand real quick with your feet. I'm going to preach fast. You're going to listen quickly. Amen. 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 And... Uh, I can preach real quick if you amen because that lets me know you got it and I can move on, all right? So say this with me. Say, I'm glad I got my Bible today. I am everything the Word says I am. See, that, that's your faith speaking. Say it again. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do everything the Bible says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. Now look down under your feet where the devil's residing. Kind of move your feet up there, adjust him on the head a little bit better and say, I said, I'm a believer, not a doubter. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Go ahead and be seated real quickly. Just follow the Lord. and I'll just share part of some of the things I kind of had ready today because you brought out so much while we prayed. It was just wonderful, the things that you brought out to us about having an encounter with the Lord. But we're talking about our reach. When you reach people, people get touched. But if you don't reach, nobody gets touched. I, I, I just think that's got to stay in us. We're talking about the month of September being a reach challenge 
and get those cards, have them with you, help other people listen to the podcast. Not that's not the only thing you can direct them to. You can sit down and preach to them yourself. But if, you, if they need some good preaching, show them how to use that QR code on the, on the you know all that. And we'll talk about that another time. But we have the most, I mentioned this a while ago, but it, it, to me, we've reached the most exciting time and exciting place I've ever seen Jasper Christian Sun. Because we're reaching people with Jesus, and that's what our whole life's about. That's when people really get stirred up and happy is when we find ourselves reaching out to other people. Christianity was never given to us for you to enjoy it by yourself. It just it wasn't. And so the more you give it away, the stronger it gets in you. To do really good at this, it has to come, as I mentioned a while ago, from a surrendered life. Now write this down somewhere, and I've said this a lot of times lately, but I want this to be strong in your spirit. The more you surrender to him, the more freedom you find in him. You know, a lot of people say, well, if I give the Lord that, I'm giving up freedoms. No, the more you surrender to him, the more you become free in your own self because that's where real freedom is. Real freedom's in Jesus. Freedom's not in yourself and you'll never find it in yourself. The truth is, the more completely the power takes hold of you, the more you let the power of God take hold of your life, the more exciting your life becomes. And the more, now hear me now, this is the reason I'm saying this, the more exciting your life becomes, the more interested other people become in what you've got. No one ever wanted to follow a dull Christian. No one ever wanted to follow a broken Christian, a sad Christian. Because, you know, you've heard this statement a lot of times, and I've heard it over the years. People would say, I was witnessing somebody, and that person said to them, said, why would I want to be like you? I've got enough problems of my own. Because all they saw in that person's life was problem, problem, problems. Well, the more you surrender, the less problems you have. Yes, amen. That's good. Are you hearing me? The more you give your life to Jesus. I, I was listening to a testimony of a little girl, and I was trying to, I say little girl, she's in her 20s now, but she was about 15, 16 at the time. It's about 11 years ago. This happened. She was, um, I think, 15 years of age. Now imagine this. She, here's what she grew up with. She had a, a mama that loved God, didn't know much about God, but she loved him, didn't get a lot of truth. But her daddy was an alcoholic, and she grew up watching her daddy beat her mother all the time. Daddy was very abusive to his wife. And she said, I just saw that all the time. So you can understand what route she took. By the time she was 12, she was already a drug addict. And by the time she was 15, she was telling this testimony. She said, I was hooked on meth. And she said, I was pregnant and wanted nothing to do with God. Mother was always saying, sweetheart, I'm going to pray with you. And she said, prayer won't do me any good. I'm not coming out of this thing. And so she just kept moving further and further into the world. And imagine that, 15 years old, hating everything about God addicted to drugs, meth, I think was the one she mentioned, but said she's hooked on that and she's pregnant and involved in all kinds of evil and sin. But all it took for her to come out of that was an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with heaven, really. She said, what happened one day? She said, I was at my house and, and it just got finished telling God, I don't believe in you. I don't, you know, she's talking to who she don't believe, you know. But she said, I went through that spill again because mama was always preaching at me. And she said, I don't want anything to do with it. And she said, the next thing I knew, it was something like a, like a peace came in the room like I never felt in my life. And it grabbed me and it held me and it took me out of my body. And she said, next thing I knew, I was in a place that was different. It was just beautiful light. You know, she was caught up to heaven is what it was. And said, so I was up there and said it was just beautiful. She said, I never felt so loved in all my life. And it was as if God was just holding me, embracing me. And she said, God, I believe. And he said, what's your biggest desire? And she said, Lord, to be free of these drugs, but I don't know how. He said, you'll be free. 
He said, let me show you something. And he took her. She said, I don't know why he did this. This was one every, every encounter can be different because right. every person's unique. Right. Amen. He said, immediately I left this nice place and said I was escorted down to the earth into a cave and it went deep, deep, deep down into a dry, dry cave. And she said, I saw Satan in that cave and said he had the ugliest purple skin I ever saw in my life. And she began to describe him and she said, I knew that's where I was bound was to him, but I wanted this God that was, had encountered me, visited me. And she said, then I was swept back up to heaven right quick. You know, just, just all this happened in a matter of seconds, I'm telling you. And she said, I was embraced by God again. And she, he said to me, he said, you're going to be free of that drug. He said, you go back to earth. He said, I've got work for you to do. You just serve me and I'm going to get you free of that. She said, I came back and said, it took me three months to get completely free. But she said, I just kept believing God, holding on to the faith of God, reading my Bible every day. Now, this is a, about a 16-year-old girl at this time. She said, in three months' time, I was completely free. And said, said about three months later, said one guy, because you know, friends were coming over, and said, it got to where I was just, you know, I was nauseous in the morning because the baby was growing that she was holding, you know. And, and uh, she said, but I started getting nauseous with people around me was doing drugs. And she said, this one uh, guy, a friend of mine, said he came over and he said, I got some, you know, I got some stuff, some do, you know. And she said, no, I don't want it. And he came up and, and lit it up the pipe, you know, and blew it in her face. And she said, it just made me hate it. She said, I want, I, she said, that's when I realized I was completely free of it. And God, had, and, she's, and then she was leading everybody she could. Now she's 20, about 25 now. She said, I was leading everybody I can now into a sinner's prayer when I see them and tell them how to get saved. Because she said, Jesus encountered me. All the preaching, see, mama was preaching, but all the preaching didn't do it. It's when she had an encounter with Jesus. And that's why one of our confessions, don't ever be late for church. Those, those confessions in the morning, those decrees and declares, that's the most powerful part of our service. And if we can just say, okay, I'm going to have an encounter. And if I carry an encounter with me, then we can carry that encounter out there to the world. All they need is a touch from Jesus. And God will do that. If he did that for Paul, that's what I want to tell you today. If he did it for Paul, Saul of Tarsus, to give him an encounter on the road to Damascus that changed yes. him forever, he'll give it to the one you're witnessing yes. to. Amen. You can literally expect God to show up yes. and he wants to do it because you're, you're the most unique person in the world and he loves you and he wants to work with you. Let me start with a scripture that's kind of strange. Look on the screen real quickly at this one. This is Psalm 139 verse 4 because God's going to use you in these reaches to reach other people for Jesus in a very, very unique way. Psalm 139, 14 actually. Let me get past these. It says, I will praise thee. Now, you know this script. This is about, yeah. we, we say this is one of the greatest anti-abortion scriptures there is, Psalm 139. But look at this about you. It says, I will praise you. This is David. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit led me last night to tell you to think about today in this service is that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O God. Marvelous are the way you put me together. Amen. Have you ever thought about how unique you really are? Our God, our creator has never made any two things the same. You know, how many of you grew up in school where they talked about snowflakes? No two snowflakes were the same. And so that was kind of, I, I don't know. I just kind of grew up with that attitude. Everything else is the same. We live in a same repetition world except for snowflakes. And then of course you get a little older, you find out no, no fingerprints the same. But let me tell you something in all of God's universe, that's beyond the scope of our able to comprehend. There's no two atoms that are the same. There's no two raindrops that are the same. There's no two snowflakes that are the same. There's no two strands of hair that are the same. In any individual, no two strands of your own hair are the same. There's no two vertebrae that are the same on this planet. 
Every vertebrae is unique. You can actually be identified by your fingerprint and by your vertebrae. No, no set of teeth are the same. In all the billions and billions and literally hundreds of billions of stars, no two stars are the same. Wow. In all this universe, no two universe, no, no, excuse me, no two galaxies are the same. There is not one cloud that's the same as another cloud. Wow. There's not one blade of grass that's exactly like another blade of grass. Mm. Let me tell you something. I want you to write down something today. And I want, this is all about God wanting to use Amen. you, your uniqueness. I want Amen. you to listen to this. Write it down. Our God, the God we serve, is incapable of repetition. Wow. He cannot because he will not. But he can't make a mistake and make two things the same. And he does not want you or I to be somebody else than who we are. Right. He wants us to be so completely unique. And to me, that ought to bring salvation to anybody that could realize how uniquely they've been made, fearfully and wonderfully made. One translation says, awesomely made. Look at this voice translation up here on the screen. Look at this. I am your unique creation, God. This is your prayer. I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest of details in creating me with excellence. He's talking about your creation. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep in my soul. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something, Amen. saints. When you carry this knowledge deep in your soul, most come of you on. didn't come in here with that knowledge deep in your soul. Mm -hmm. It's not a guarantee you'll go out of here with it deep right. in your soul. But if you'll make a purpose that I'm going to live the rest of my life deep down in my soul knowing that I'm the most unique individual on this wow. planet, Yes. That God loved me so much that He made me in a unique way. Yes, yes. You carry that kind of deep knowledge on the inside of you everywhere you go and to every person you talk to, they'll want to know the same God you want to know, that you know. Because that gives you a peace and a comfort with who you are. Do, do you know why people do strange things? Now, I'm not going to identify strange things because it may be things you do. But you know why people do strange things? Some people dress strange, not looking at anybody particularly. <laughs> people dress, sometimes people dress real goofy. Why, why do they do that? Some people cover themselves in tattoos. I'm not against tattoos. If you want to cover yourself in tattoos, we'll just read you all day. <laughs> I had somebody checking me out the other day. And I, I said, ma'am, will you be still so I can read you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. Why do people do that? Well, I, I'm not against tattoos. I'm not, don't, don't go out of here and say, bro, James said that. I'm, here's what I'm saying. Why do people go to such extremes to do anything that makes themselves stand out? What, have I got a cricket? Well, even the bugs like what I'm preaching. Anybody else have a bug on you? See how unique I am? Why do people do so many strange things with their life? It's because they're trying to say, hey, here I am, notice me. In the middle of seven and a half billion people, look, I'm alive. God can do that without all the strange things. Amen. When you get comfortable with who God made you to be, Amen. I hate it when people say, I hate the way I look. We love the way you look. Yes. Amen. Strangely enough to you, somebody will love, absolutely love the way you look for the yes. rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Amen. But the idea is that you're so unique that God wants to take that uniqueness. And if you can settle that in your spirit, that I am, I am created by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, I'm the most awesome creation. Not another person on this planet will ever look like me, will never act like me, never sound like me. You'll be the greatest soul winner because you found the peace in the creator. And that's what everybody's looking for. Now, let me tell you something about the reach, something the Lord told me to give you this morning. Is this all right with you right quick? 
wrote, you wrote that down, right? God is incapable of repetition. He, he can't make any two things the same. Therefore, you and I have a divine destiny to reach the world in a very unique way. In other words, he wants to use you. Now, I said to you last Sunday and the Sunday before, we owe the world a debt. That debt is to give the world a face-to-face -face encounter with God. Amen. If we do not bring an encounter of Jesus to people, I know you and I will get persecuted for what I'm about to say, but I believe it's so with all my heart. I mentioned it earlier, right, as we was worshiping. A lot of people say, well, we shouldn't push in to things. Let God just do his work. But the truth is, if he doesn't have somebody on earth that pushes into things, he'll never be able to do his work on earth. He has to have a people that will believe him for miracles. Some people say, well, I mean, I actually heard a preacher say this just late, lately, a minister that has a lot of influence around the world. He said, these people that are pushing in and praying for a revival are wrong, he said. He said, you just wait for a revival to happen. Well, a revival will happen and he'll never be a part of it. Yes. The truth is, we're actually called of God to lean in yes. toward a yes. move of God. Yes. This is why I, I had a privilege of working with the teens for a couple of weeks back there. And, that's, and I appreciate Danielle helping me so much this morning that we're learning yeah, Amen. to lean in and listen for a word from God yes. because he'll speak it to you. Amen. He actually has a plan to touch people's lives and yet he wants to speak things to somebody that'll listen yep. and to call out, hey, pray for Bella, something on her heart. It blesses Amen. me to see you work like we did this morning. Amen. But you got to remember what, what we learned in prayer this morning is that 90% of the people we want to reach won't ever come in here and experience what we just had. Amen. You've got to have that same kind of thing out on your workstation. You've got to have that same thing out where you go all the time. Now, look at this. Psalm 34, 8 on the screen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Our job is to give people a taste of God, a taste of Jesus. If they taste him, they'll like it. Now, if they'd come to church, I'm learning. Boy, I tell you what, I've wasted a lot of time in my life in ministry on counseling people that won't go to church. Yeah. Susan, I spent, I, I spent one day two, two and a half hours with a guy. I need, I need, boy, I need what you preach, Brother James. I'd not say, I knew him for years. And I spent two and a half hours in this auditorium sitting back here ministering to him. Ministering. I'm going to get in church. I'm going to get this. That's been six months ago. I ain't seen him yet. I'd love to see him, to tell him I'm not going to sit down with him again in my life. That's why we've got kind of a rule. I kind of broke that rule that day because I knew him so long. I've known him since he was a young boy. But I've got a rule that I don't counsel people unless you'll come to three church services in a row. Why? Because I spend two and a half hours to tell you what I tell you every church service. And I found, and people find, if they'll sit in two and three services, they won't need the counseling. I mean, I, I, it never fails. If I can get people to come to three churches, I'll sit down with you. I'll, we'll go in the office. We'll go sit down. I'll give you all the time you need if you'll give me three church services in a row. And it happens without variableness. They'll always come up to me, usually after the second. Sometimes after the first, always by the third. And they'll say, Brother James, I no longer need the counseling. Oh, really? Why? Oh, I got exactly what I needed today. Amen. You said exactly. Well, see, the Holy Ghost is going to do that. All right, amen. So coming to church can be a taste of God. Yeah. Right. But we can't get everybody to church. Amen. So how do we do that? We take a taste out there. Right. Restaurants, especially in fast food restaurants in malls, you see this happen quite often, is they know that not everybody's going to come try their food. They know if they try it, they'll like it. Yeah. Take a tip from me. I tried it. I'm like, okay, you don't know that. That was a cheer at Walker. Okay. So what do they do? They come outside of their little store back here, their little shop, 
and they walk out into the mall with a platter. Taste. See, if we can get people to taste it, but Brother James, you don't understand. The people I need to witness to, boy, their perspective's all bad. But look what he said. Taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and you'll see. If you can get them to taste, their perspectives will change. Now, look at this Amplified Classic. Even if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. Now, I want you to turn, if you will, right quick, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to show you this one. I'm not going to keep you long, but I do want you to see this. Amen. The people that you and I are ministering to and reaching out to, You've got to be aware of what they're going through. That's right. Compassion on where they are. So read, first of all, the King James Version, if you've got that Bible handy with you. And then I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified in just a minute. Tell me when you're there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm not sure where I told you, but the fourth chapter is where I want you. 2 Corinthians 4. You're out ministering to people. A lot of times people that are not even saved. That's right. Now, sometimes they are saved. Sometimes they are, you know, <laughs> you, know you ladies, y'all had a great meeting yesterday. I know they were a bunch Amen. of them. And uh, y'all went out to eat. Susan said, boy, when it came time to tip the waitress, everybody was tipping her and holding a card up. I mean, it's just like, quick, draw my draw. Man, you know, here's my card. Here's my card. Well, you know what? That let her know that she was important to y'all. Y'all had her targeted. Well, not everybody you minister to is lost. Sometimes you're just trying to reach out to people that just need help in some areas. Maybe they need healing. But let's center on the lost for just a moment. If you'll take this idea home with you. Is you got to have compassion on the lost people that you minister to to understand what they're experiencing. Right. Well, look at this in the King James, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to those who are lost. Yeah. Now, I want you to circle the word hid. If you can, some of you can remember back a time when it was hid to you. Right. It was for me when I was a teenage boy. I grew up in church. My parents, had, my dad had the key. We unlocked the church. We were there every time the doors opened. The doors didn't open unless we were there a lot of times. I mean, you know, it was just, we were there. So I grew up in church. By the time I was a teenager, I wasn't saved, and I had somehow escaped that, and I was lost out there in the world, but in church on Sunday, but in the world the rest of the time, 14, 15, 16 years of age, and y'all have heard me say this. I, I'm not bragging. I'm complaining when I say it, but drug addicts and alcoholics had become my heroes at 16. I wanted to be just like them. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's sad, but that's the avenue that I was leaning toward. And, uh, and yet I was in church on Sunday because that's just what we did. Right. And so when people would talk to me about God, you couldn't talk to me about God because I already had him because I was in church on Sunday, I thought. Yeah. I had, what did I have? I had religion. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, said this. He said, there's something that's taken the place of faith in the hearts of people. And it looks so much like faith, but it's not but it's blinding them. It's of the devil. And he called it mental ascent. Wow. In other words, I mentally, mentally was my mind. I mentally ascended to the fact that God sent his son, but I had not known him personally. Do you see the difference? So there's a big, hard group to get a hold. It's a hardcore group to get a hold of are people that's in church and lost because they thought they think they got it. It's literally easier. Are you hearing me? It's actually easier to minister to someone that is out of church than it is to somebody that's in that thinks they're saved. Because that religious Amen. devil lied. But, but see, you've got to still reach out to them because they're under that category of hid. It's hid. L listen to this. I'll, I'll give you a definition of this word hid. Write some of this down. Just jot it down real quick. This word hid in the Greek, this is verse 3. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are lost. It means to hide. It means to veil, to be veiled or cover over. Literally translated, it means to hinder the knowledge of a thing. 
Now, of course, look at the next verse. Let me read that and I'll go back over that definition. Again, verse 3. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are lost. In whom the God of this world, now that's the term he uses for Satan, the devil. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So here, now let's, let's get the picture. Look up here and I'm just going to make it real plain. God's, we say God's in the heavenly realm. He's got Jesus like a flashlight shining on this world. The light is shining. So if a person is in darkness, it's not because God's not shining the light on them or toward them. It's that Satan has got between them and God and he's shielding. He's veiling. And so what coming, what's coming from God is blocked by the devil that's bothering them. Now the devil might use addiction. He might use, we can name a hundred thousand things that people are going through. He might use attitudes. He might use arrogance or self-righteousness. Any of those things become a hindering block to the light. Now, interesting to me, this, this jumped out at me last night, Brother Joel. Who's writing this? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Who's the author? The Apostle Paul. Okay. What an authority on being blinded he was a religious man. The Bible, he even said about himself, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was next in line to being high priest. He was an extremely religious man. He had worked his way up in the religious circle, but he didn't know God if he was wearing a red hat with a feather in it because he thought killing Christians would do God a favor. All right, now, is that right? So he's in this darkness that he's talking to us about right now. He said, lost people are, are, are the gospel's hid to them. And then what does he say in that fourth verse? Lest the light of the glorious gospel, who experienced light but him on the road to Damascus? There's a great light shining. So he's speaking out of experience. He's saying, you've got to realize the people that are lost, Satan has hid the gospel from them. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to those who are lost in whom the Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And if we could ever get that blinder, now who's the blinder? The devil is the blinder. The blinder is not something physically on them. The blinder is the devil himself or a demonic spirit. It, it, Jeremiah, let me bother, bother you just a minute. But look at this, I, I just because this will help get an image. If you could imagine every lost person that's on their way to hell without God is a person just like me and you, yeah. unique in their creation, got a whole world to touch with their life. And yet a demon walks around like this, spiritually speaking. Now, not over their eyes, but spiritually, over their heart, but spiritually speaking, they're blinded. And you're trying to talk to them, and they're not going to see it until they taste it. That light has to hit them. Well, this is one reason that we pray for people, because if you can imagine, now, who's doing this? This is the devil. Got them blinded. What does is, what is our intercessory prayer do? I can't make them get saved. If we could, we'd pray everybody get saved. We'd go in the rapture tomorrow. I asked the Lord one time about somebody that belonged to this church. I said, Lord, make them come back to church. He said, James, if I could make them come to church, I'd make everybody come to church. I've never been able to make people come to church. He said, anyway, but look, the devil's blinding them. Intercessory prayer is we, we say, now watch this. This is Jeremiah. I'm praying for Jeremiah. He's lost now, undone without God, right? And the devil's got him blinded. I don't know what demon it is. It don't matter to me. It's just devils. But here's my intercessory prayer. Now, I can't make him get saved with my prayer. Lord, save him. I Look, look how silly this is. Lord, save Jeremiah so he don't go to hell. And God said in heaven, like, <laughs> I've already done everything I can do to get Jeremiah saved. 
what do you want me to do? You're an intercessor. Get the devil off of him. The devil's got him blinded. All right, so my job is not to pray to get saved. God's already done what he needs to get saved. He's got to see. The moment he sees, the moment he tastes, he'll want what he's got. So here's what I do. You foul devil that's operating against the life of Jeremiah. I bind you. Take your blinders off him in Jesus' name. You get your blind. Now look, when I get through praying, phone rings, I got to go to work, whatever. I'm sorry, Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> but that devil, what, what does that devil do? The devil goes right back. <laughs> devil goes right back. All right, watch this now. Right? Thank you for letting me do this. Are y'all seeing this? Devil goes right back, right back. But I was told you, devil, you get. And somebody said, you know that Jeremiah boy. I'm telling you, it's something of yours. He's going to hell now. Jeremiah's not, but I'm using this for example. That, that man's going to hell because the devil will tell you that over your husbands. He'll tell you that over your wives, over your children. Over, you know they're going to hell in a handbasket. And you say, no, devil, you, I bind you in Jesus' name. You get your hands off him. What are you doing? You're giving Jeremiah a glimpse. He's getting a little glimpse of that light. As long as you're praying, you take your hands off him in Jesus' name. Now, Jeremiah might go, and you, you have to quit praying again. And Jeremiah might say, now, I like this devil. Come on back. See? Because he don't know. He don't call it a devil. He calls it a drug addiction. He doesn't call it a devil. He calls it something else. And, and he lets it back in. But if I can give him a glimpse through my intercession... Because I can take that devil. I can't make Jeremiah get saved, but I can tell devils what to do. You get your hands off him. Now, that's what we're doing. Thank you, Jeremiah. That's what we're doing constantly in our intercession for people. But realize that people have the gospel hid from them. Thank you. Now, look, look at this. That's good. Thank you. Look, look at this. Keep reading. If our gospel's hid, verse 3, it's hid to those that are lost. Now, remember, what does it mean? It means a divine, excuse me, it means a, it means to hinder the knowledge of a thing. Satan's working to hinder the knowledge of something. The gospel in this case. Look at it in the on screen, amplified version. Watch this, I'll show you. If our gospel, amplified, if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, that is, obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. Yes. See, that's where every lost person, it, I just don't understand. I'm telling them about God, why don't they get saved? They can't. They don't see it. Read that last phrase again. They're obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. That's why prayer, pray the Lord of the harvest, send labors. Look, the, the verse continues. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. Wow. Satan's got a right to their life. Wow. CEB says it's veiled to those who are on the road to destruction. Your, your job, Gary, stand up for a minute. Look at this. The lost person. Your job we used to sing a song years ago. Like I was covering up, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was lost. Think of Gary being the lost man a minute. Your job is to, there was a song Marlon used to sing about him. He said, he looked God, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Well, like God, you've got to look beyond the person's fault and see their need. Now look at the, how it says this. And it, there, this man's on the, if he was lost, is on the road to destruction. This man's going to perish without God. He's making me mad because he don't get saved. Don't let him. He's just blinded. That's right. You look beyond his fault and see yes. his need. Yes. Look Amen. down there. Just see his need. He's a, good, he's, he's a man that needs God. Jesus loved him enough to go on the cross for him. Yes, he did. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. You say, well, he's just making me mad because he's just still, he just flaunting that old sin right in my face. He don't know what to do. Right. Look, sinners know how to sin. Right. Amen. They don't know how to live righteous. That's right. Amen. That's all they do. They're good at what they do. They sin. Amen. That's all they know. Amen. And don't let that offend you. Just say, you know what? I tell you, God loves you, man. Amen. What are you doing? You're, you're giving him truth. Always bringing truth into it. Right. The literal translation of this word hid, and I'm going to give you this and let you go home. 
The word, literal translation, this word hid, how Satan uses it to obscure the gospel from people. It literally means to blow smoke in someone's face to hide the vision. Wow. Now I want you to start seeing every time you're witnessing somebody, there's a dumb devil off to the side going <laughs> and blowing the smoke of confusion on that person. Amen. And you just love them and say, you know what? I know, I know the devil's got you confused right now. I know you don't believe what I'm saying, but listen to this scripture. Let me just tell you this. God loves you unconditionally. Yes. Well, one of the things I don't have time to get into today, and we'll have to, the Lord willing, get into it next Sunday, is one of the greatest encounters that you can give people with God is to tell them that their sins are forgiven. Yes. Do you remember when Jesus went into the, was preaching at his house there in Capernaum, and all of a sudden the house was so full nobody else could get in, and all of a sudden somebody started tearing the roof off, and they let that guy on the stretcher, you know, that was an invalid. He was, uh, had, had the dropsy or whatever was wrong with him. And he has this condition and he's paralyzed and they let him down the stretcher right in front of Jesus. Amen. And what, now Jesus looks at him. He saw their faith, the four men that helped him. What did he say to the guy? He looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. No, no, Jesus, he's not here for his sins to be forgiven. He's here to be healed. Jesus, no, he's here to have his sins forgiven. Because the moment he can have his sins forgiven, he can have his healing. Yes. In other words, what's holding him in bondage is not yes. knowing that God loves him enough to forgive him. Oh, yes. See, we, we say it like this a lot of times, right? We'll say to a sinner, we'll say, if you'll repent of your sins, God will forgive you. But if you'd say, God's already forgiven you, why don't you repent and come to him? Yes. Oh, amen. I, I'll give you a chapter and verse on this next Sunday. To look at somebody and say, God's not holding any sins against you today. God loves you so much. He's not holding any sins against you right now. See, the Bible says he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's our message to tell people, be reconciled to God. He's worked it out where there's nothing between you and Him. And then how did He do that? Well, then you can tell them about the cross. So recognize Satan is blowing smoke in the eyes of everybody that you're trying to witness to and love on. And you can blow smoke right back on the devil with the Word of God and say, devil, you can blow, but I'm going to blow harder. And you let the love of God come strong in the lives of people. Give them a taste and taste and see that the Lord is good. Did you get anything out of that today? God is good. Say this with me. Say, we're a blessed people. And God is working through us today. Now lift your hands to Him. Say, Lord, I believe that I'm uniquely made. And I'm unlike anyone on this planet. <laughs> and you want to use my uniqueness to touch people's lives with Jesus in a very special way. So use me this week. Make me an instrument for your glory. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Now look at somebody next to you with your eyes wide open. Say, I'm an intercessor. I pull the devil off of people. I blow the devil out of the, out of the ring. And people go free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have something? Come on. Come on. I just, uh, while she was sharing that, it's so powerful. Can I give you a phrase? I, I, I know, how many of you are looking for better ways to touch people? Amen. I mean, you know, Lord, use me and you get nervous about it. I mean, that's common. That's common with all of us. But I appreciate her saying that. Get the word unreachable out. We're reaching the unreachable. We're reaching who the world can't say is coming. Who, who said that person was unreachable anyway? The devil did. The devil liar. Of course he wants you to think they're unreachable. The Lord told me to give you this. This is for somebody today. When you're talking to people and they're so about the world and that, you know they're just maybe more free with the world than you've ever thought about being just they're more comfortable in their position than you are with yours and they just met everybody and know everybody and I just I had the Lord tell me to tell you this 
Here's your, a, a way in to them. Yes. As you look at them and say, well, you know, man, you've been around the world. You, you've surely met a lot of people. Oh, I have. I met a lot of people. Say, well, you know, have you ever met a person named Jesus? I'm telling you, that'll open the door. Somebody's going to use that this week, and that'll open the door. Have you ever met a person named Jesus? Amen. Yes. I, I watched Matt Gobert say that one time to a very famous person. I won't go into all the details. A very famous person that I was known all around the world, and buddy, he was proud and arrogant, and you know. And and Matt looked at him and said, "I, I know you've met a lot of people." Oh, he said, "I've met thousands of people." He said, "Have you ever met Jesus?" Well, what can you say? He said, "Well." No, I've never met him. Wow. And he said, well, you ought to. He said, he really has been looking for you. <laughs> and I watched that man get saved that night. Give his life to the Lord. Anyway, powerful. Amen. Amen. Let's, pray. let's pray over our giving. I got to let you go home and unleash you out there for your time.